What's up, New Philly? <laughs> Hello. Uh, welcome back from uh, Chuzok. I hope you guys had a good one. I gained a lot of weight. <laughs> uh, my name is uh, JP, uh, John Park, for those who don't know. Nice to meet you. Um, I'm known as, I guess I'm known as the guy with very thick uh, skin. <laughs> And, and eyebrows, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you might as, or you also may know me as uh, the guy who turned red because PC uh, embarrassed him on, on the camera. <laughs> but uh, PC always embarrasses me. Uh, but I got the mic tonight. So uh, we'll see what happens. All right. So um, I'm so happy. I'm excited to preach today. Um, before, uh, <clears throat> before, uh, coming here, I was on the rooftop just praying for tonight. And what I was praying was, I was like, God, um, you got to show up. You got to show up, God. Pour out your spirit. You got to show up, God. Um, because if you don't, man, God, man can, any, man can only get so far, God. Man can only get so far. It's so temporary. God, please, you got to show up, God. And I felt that what God was telling me was, um, he was like, John, uh, why do you act like I don't want to, you know? Why do you act like I don't want to? Um, God, is, God was like, John, I'm more than committed. But um, he was asking me, but are they? You know, are they? Are you guys? You know? And um, with that, I want to ask you guys um, to, uh, if you're ready, turn to God and say, uh, Lord, I'm ready. Ready? One, two, three. Lord, I'm ready. Amen. All right. Um, let's get into it. I'm so excited for this, and um, let me pray real quick. Yeah, God, we're more than ready, God. We open wide our mouth, and would you come and fill it, God? Holy Spirit, come and touch every heart here right now. I pray for breakthrough for every single heart here, us as a body as well, God. We thank you, God. We love you, and we, we expect great things from you, God. We ask for a God-sized heart for each and every one of us. As you pour out a God-sized vision on each and every one of us, we thank you, God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I want to start off by just saying that if I were to sum up the whole Bible in just one phrase, in a very simple way, then it's this. And it's that the Bible is always about God wanting to restore Eden. Okay. Everyone say Eden. Eden. The Garden of Eden. God always trying to restore Eden. And what I mean by this is, for me, Eden means this. Eden was a place of unbroken fellowship with God. Eden was a place of perfect intimacy with the Lord. Eden was a place of the fullness of God. And these are words that whenever I hear these things, perfect intimacy with God, my, my, my soul just starts salivating. I'm just like, oh, like I want that. I want that, you know. I want it. And you know, this was God's original design. This was God's original design, Eden. And I want to just uh, share a little bit of history for, for the context of today's message is this. 
Eden was perfect, perfect relationship with God. The, the desire of God's heart. But what happened? Man disobeyed and sin came in, right? And as you read the Bible, you'll see a reoccurring pattern. And the reoccurring pattern is that the people always turn away from God and worship idols. Right? Y'all read your Bibles, right? <laughs> but what God always does is, He's always trying to restore relationship. Always trying to restore Eden. Because the longing of God's heart is unbroken fellowship with man. Because the longing of God's heart is perfect intimacy with man. You see, God... He's all about dwelling amongst his people. He just wants to be with his people. He just wants Eden. So what does he do? You know, he commands Moses to, to, to build a tabernacle. And the very manifest presence of God comes and fills his temple. Why? Because God wants to be amongst his people. A step, another sign of just wanting to restore Eden. But right after that, they build a golden calf and they worship an idol again. Imagine the tear in God's heart. And even later on, as you keep reading through the Kings, so much idolatry, so much turning away from God. Thank you. And um, what you see is, um, today's passage is from Ezekiel chapter 47. Everyone, let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1 through 12. And as I read this passage, the background that you need to know is this. The people of God, they've turned away from God so much. And what has happened is they have been exiled out of their country, the people of God. They have been kicked out, out of their country, out of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. Okay? They've been kicked out. And another, another terrible thing that has happened is the, the, the temple that was built by Solomon, the temple of God, the dwelling place of God, such deep importance to the people of God, it has been destroyed. So you can imagine what the people of God are going through in their hearts. A lot of death, a lot of destruction, a lot of despair, and a lot of discouragement. And it's in this context right now that Ezekiel, he receives this prophetic vision. Ezekiel receives this vision that we're about to read right now in the context of the people of God, the Jews that are just devastated right now. Kicked out of their own country and the temple of God destroyed. So let's get into the word. And um, as, as I read this, I want, please, I want us to pay very careful attention. Pay attention to the details of this uh, crazy vision, <laughs> this amazing vision. And um, here we go. Y'all ready? Yeah. All right. Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1 through 12. Um, then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by the way of the north gate, it led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, 
The water was trickling out on the south side. Verse 3. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and he led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. Verse 7. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Enenglam. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, they will grow all kinds of trees for food. The leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. But they will bear fruit, fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. The fruit will be for food, and the leaves for healing. Amen. Crazy vision, right? Uh, let me just uh, let me just paint a picture for you. What what is what exactly is going on here? Okay, so this man Ezekiel, he's a prophet with a vision, right? And he sees this vision of a mysterious man that comes up to him, and the vision starts where, let's just say that right here, where I'm at right now, up here on stage, let's just say that this is the temple of God. Mind you, the temple of God has just been. Re- destroyed right this is the temple of god okay where ezekiel starts out and what he sees what ezekiel sees is that on the bottom of the uh, temple he sees a trickle of water flowing from under all right y'all with me right (laughs) all right and then the man leads him to the outside of the temple right and ezekiel goes to the outside of the temple okay and the temple faced east okay for this Example, let's pretend that way is east, okay? That way is east, so all you directionally challenged people, where is north? Yeah, and there's north, okay? <laughs> okay, east, west, okay? <laughs> north, okay? Y'all with me, right? <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, so here's a temple. And, and this small trickle of water that's flowing toward the east, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it changes into this crazy flowing river going east. Okay? And what you see in this vision is that this, this, this river, when it goes, it hits a sea. It touches a sea, right? And what's crazy about this is that as the, as the water goes further and further, the land gets more and more fruitful. Okay? Because what you see in here is that in the sea, there's so much life. 
Everyone say life. You see, there's so much fish in that sea. Okay? And there's so much just fruitful trees on both sides. Because setting is this. The river is going this way, and there's two banks on the side, two land. And both sides are filled with all different kinds of trees. So many different trees, right? Sounds like Eden to me, in a way, you know? But I'll get back to that, all right? Now, what happens is crucial in this. So the man, he goes to Ezekiel and says, hey, follow me. So the man goes 1,000 cubits into the river. 1,000 cubits is about a quarter mile. A quarter mile. That's far, I think. Like, quarter mile. I think that's how much PC ran that one time on Facebook. I think. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> no, no. No, forgive me. He was, uh, he was sick. He was sick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Whew. All right. So he goes. Let's get back to it, all right? So he goes a uh, thousand cubits, right? And Ezekiel follows him. And the water is how deep? Ankle deep, right? And once he gets to him, the guy, the mysterious guy, he goes another thousand cubits. And Ezekiel follows him deeper into the river. And now the water is knee deep. And it happens again, another thousand cubits. And he follows him. Now the water is waist deep. And he goes further. And then now he's all in. He's fully submerged into the river. Okay? Um, this is what is going on right now. Okay, this is going on. And um, uh, this passage is very personal to me. This passage, Ezekiel 47, sums up my life. Okay? And uh, I want to share a little bit. Okay, I'm not going to share my salvation testimony. Okay? I think that's what uh, PC uh, called me out on that one time. Um, but this is, uh, I'm going to share what happened after I got out of jail. Okay? <laughs> Okay, after, after, after I met Christ, and after uh, I got saved, and I, when I got out, okay? So maybe that's for another time. <laughs> so what happened was, after I got saved, when I was 16, I decided to uh, go to church on my own initiative. I started going to church, and this is where I really just began my relationship with Jesus, and naturally, I was like, Jesus, I want to know you more, you know. I want to know this Jesus that loves a person like me. I want to know you more. And as I started going to church, I started getting involved. And then one day, my youth pastor came up to me. And he said this. He said, John, uh, how about leading an accountability group, a Bible study? Leading a Bible study uh, amongst uh, your peers, right? And for me... I, I, was, I was so, like, I felt some crazy tension in my heart. Such, so uncomfortable. I was like, uh, do you know who I am? Do you know where I came from? You know, like, are you sure you want me to do this? I don't know. In my, in my mind, I'm like, I don't know the Bible enough. How are you going to lead me to do account, accountability for them? For what? Like, I'm, I'm worse than them. How are you going to make me do this, you know? But eventually, uh, I did. I did. Uh, I don't know what happened to all those guys now. Uh, <laughs> I did my best, right? And I, and I did that, right? And then uh, later on, uh, later on during that year, an opportunity for a mission trip, inner city mission trip came up. And, and uh, uh, people kept telling me to go, but then I didn't want to go because I was, I was kind of nervous because uh, I still didn't think that I was good enough, you know? I still felt inadequate. 
Um, it was a mission trip to a city called, in a place called Kensington in Philadelphia, right? Because Philly needs Jesus, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. So, so with the wrestling in my heart, with the wrestling in my heart, I went on this mission trip. All right. Now, a couple years later, I went on my, I went on my first overseas mission trip to the Dominican Republic when I was a senior year. Okay. Now, why am I sharing this? I'm not trying to like boast about my ministry resume. Okay. Uh, my, one of the main points I want to share tonight is this. Every time I've taken steps to obey, I testify to you that I have known God a little bit more. And in this passage, you see that this man is calling him into the water a thousand cubits, and he obeys. For me, it's like this. My first time leading small group, that was my first thousand cubits of going deep, of entering, to the full, entering into the fullness of life. You know, when I went to my first mission trip, it was another thousand cubits. You know? And you know, after high school, I graduated, I went to James Madison University, right? Anna Row, right? <laughs> we went to uh, school together. And I joined the campus fellowship called Agape Christian Fellowship. And I, as I was enjoying my time there, there was a day when the campus uh, director asked me, Hey, hey John, uh, how about, can you lead worship? And I just started learning how to play guitar. Will you lead worship for this prayer meeting? And again, that tension came. Like, oh, I don't know. No, 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 no. I, I can barely play. No, no, no. Eventually, I did it. I did it. And then later on, I ended, ended up leading a small group, another thousand cubits. And then I ended up leading small group leaders. I became the small group coordinator of small groups. And you know what's very ironic? Anna Rowe was a small group leader. <laughs> so I was kind of above her right now at that point, right? But not no more. Not no more. Right? Not no more. Right? 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just want to say that um, every single one of those decisions I did not want to do, there was a flesh in me that was saying, no, you're not good enough. In other words, I was afraid of going deeper. Right? And then, and then Gambia came. And then I started going to Africa. I went to a country called Gambia for uh, five times in my life. It started by going, attending, and, and then ended up me leading teams in Gambia. And I was like, that, when it started getting deeper, the tension became stronger. I was like, no, like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. Okay? And then when I went for a year and a half, that was like a huge tension. Right? But I testify to you again. And my point is this. If you want to go deeper, you got to go further. I'll say that again. If you really want to go deeper, you got to go further. And that tension is going to be there. But I encourage you, go deep. Because in this vision, what you see is the deeper you go, the more fruitful and the more the fullness of life you see. You know what you see? You see Eden. You see the Garden of Eden. You see life. 
You see another step closer to unbroken fellowship and the fullness of intimacy. Don't you want that? How many times have we prayed, God, I want to know you more? How many times have we prayed, God, take me deeper into your heart? And God is like, I'm so more than willing. Can I show you here? Come deeper. Come deeper. And then what happened? I'm here in Korea now. I go to Torres Trinity. I became the president of the, of the student council. I would never thought that would happen. And then this past summer, I directed a, uh, a mission school. I'm not trying to boast about everything I did. I'm just saying the point is not the doing. The point is I'm testifying to you. Every time I took a thousand cubits, every time I went deeper, guess what happened? I entered another chamber of God's heart. Do you want to know God's heart? Do you want to know him more? It's not going to happen with you just sitting there. It's only going to get you so far. What I love about this vision is this. When you go deeper into the waters, the level of your faith, you know, ankle-deep faith, knee-deep faith, waist-deep faith. As you go deeper and deeper, it's a flowing river. God is not a God of force, but there is a flow that nudges you. It's the Holy Spirit. But up until that point, when you get to your waist, there comes a point in your life where you have to make a decision. Am I going to give it all or not? Because, guess what? The deeper you go the more you're letting go of control. The more you're letting go of control over your life. Because up until the waste point, you still have control over your life. You still can turn back and turn away. You can still go backwards. But it's up until that point, you got to make a decision. But guess what? When you get to that point, you can make that decision. Maybe you will feel the tension, but you can. You know why? Because you got a little taste of what it meant to know God a little bit more. I think this is like, this is the fullness of life. I'll never, we'll never experience the fullness until the end, but I'm going to live my life chasing the fullness of life. My life is, I want what God wants. The restoration of Eden. Unbroken fellowship. Y'all want that, right? And I want to um, talk about uh, PC again. <laughs> but this time, I'm taking the high road. <laughs> I'm sure as I say this message, um, I'm sure PC can think back on, the, on his first steps, on his first thousand cubits of, he's taking. And I want us as a church to realize and recognize and honor the fact that he's taking these steps. Because I don't know where he is in the river right now, but I think he's deep enough where there's so much fruitfulness. I think we could all testify to that. That he has gone deep. Staffing at CCC. Maybe that was another thousand cubits for him. Leading prayer team at JSEM. You know, maybe that was another step. 
I'm sure there were times in his life where he did feel that tension too. But I believe PC is on a one-way track. He just wants to go deeper and deeper. But here's what's crazy that I realized when I was just thinking about this. It's that I think that tension will always be there. But I think I asked God, how do I know that I'm fully in the river? Right? And I realized that I'm fully in the river when I don't feel that tension anymore. And I could just say yes. Because I'm fully submerged. All I can do is trust in God. All I can do is trust in His flow. And that's where I think really PC is. Because I don't see him as a man uh, that feels that tension and doubt anymore. Because he's so submerged in. Sky's the limit now. Do we not see such fruitfulness right now in this ministry, at this church? This is what happens. And New Philly, I want to say, the reason why I feel like God is giving us this word right now is this. Because we just went through a church split. A good one. And as we start this Sunday, um, God is going to say, hey, come deeper. To all of us. You know why? Because every single, every single one of us are meant to rise up. We need to rise up. And the invitation is this. Simple. God is saying, do you want to know me more? Do you want to know my heart? Do you want Eden? Do you want intimacy? Do you want to go deeper? It's an invitation. Take it. Let go of control. Go deep in the water. Even as mission season is coming up. I already know, like, maybe some of us feel that tension. I don't want to go. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know, you know. I'm so intimidated by all the stuff that happens when I see the videos. I don't think I could be a part of that. Even the church play. If someone came up to you right now and said, hey, would you like to be a CG leader? I'm telling you right now. Take the thousand cubits. Go in. Go in. And I promise you, you will know God's heart more. Even the, even the uh, ride against traffic, you know, as they, as they biked from, from Puzan all the way to Seoul, you know, that was, that was another thousand cubits. More than quarter mile, though. <laughs> you know? But I'm going to get back to, to ride against traffic. But I want to share one thing that we need to realize in this passage is this. The river that flows from the temple of God, this river of life. It says, the Bible says that the river touches a sea. If you look on a map from Jerusalem going east, a water that flows, there's only one sea that this river can hit, and that's the Dead Sea. Dead Sea, where no life can exist. The waters are too salty, too many minerals, no fish can live. But what do we see in this passage of the Dead Sea? We see this sea filled with life, filled with fish, 
filled. Why? Because the river of life has made contact with the Dead Sea. As we read this passage, I want to ask you a question. Is this. As you read this passage, I've read this many times. But it's when I read it this past week that God really just rocked me through this passage. You know what I saw? I saw the gospel message in this passage. You see, from the temple, the dwelling place of God, came life. Came a river of life. Ah. That touched a dead sea and transformed it into life. And out of the dwelling place of heaven, the way, the truth, and the life, life himself, Jesus came. And he touched, made contact with death itself. Your dead life, my dead life. The Bible says we were dead in our transgressions, but now. We are alive in Christ, alive in Christ. He has transformed our lives. Dead sea into life. That's you and I. Hallelujah. A small detail in this passage. It says that this dead sea that was transformed into the, we'll call it the alive sea now. Live sea. <laughs> the aquarium, I don't know. <clears throat> what we see is that, on, the, on a small detail is that um, on the side of the Dead Sea, there, there is what is left over, it said, there's, what is left over there is salt. Salt. Um, now, everyone who has grown up in the church, uh, I know you think of one thing when you think of salt in a Christian context, right? Uh, but... Jesus said, you are the salt of the world, right? Jesus said, you are the salt of the world. Right? <clears throat> so, I want to read this verse for you, okay? Just listen. Just listen to this verse. And um, it's from John chapter 7, verse 38. <clears throat> Jesus says this. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, check it out. Streams of living water will flow from within him. What does this mean? You see, the sequence is not death to life. Like the dead sea to the life sea, right? The sequence is death to life to life giving. The ride against traffic people, they didn't just ride a bike. Uh, from the bottom of Korea to, to Seoul. They are temples of the living God. You know what they did? They released life. They stained this dark world with life. That's what they did. This was their thousand cubits. They went in. When they came back, if I ask any one of them, have you come back knowing God's heart a little bit more? They will say yes. They will say yes. Heart for the orphans. So we're meant to be salt. We are temples of a living God. Life is supposed to flow from us. Amen? Amen. 
<laughs> Amen. You know, let's go back to the, the bigger context is this. The Jews who are so exiled and discouraged. Imagine how they felt when they heard a prophetic vision such as this. Prophet Ezekiel comes and says a vision like this. That life is going to flow. A temple, the dwelling place of God, river of life is going to flow and just going to restore the land. How do you think they feel? They're so filled with hope. They're so encouraged. And you know what happens in history is this. What happens is this. The Jews, they actually get back invited into Jerusalem, into their land. They go back into their land. Good news. Another thing happens. The temple gets rebuilt. The temple gets rebuilt. The second temple. Now imagine if you were God's people. What you're thinking like, Man, this crazy vision, this prophetic vision is coming into fulfillment. Wow, right before our eyes. Right? But something happens in 70 AD. The Romans come and they destroy that temple. And when I see this vision, I'm like, what the? What the? What a, what a, what a you know. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't find another word. You know? Like, what? Seriously? Like, I thought things were looking up. I thought that vision was going to be fulfilled. You know what I believe in this passage is this. Us, as temples of the living God, we are part of this fulfillment. It has yet to be fulfilled. Both Jew and Gentile. You and me and the Jews. We're all involved in this. We're all filled with the Holy Spirit. We're all supposed to release life. And the thing is this. We need to go to areas where there is death. Dead sea areas. Not where there is life. There needs to be an outflow from within us. Amen? Another element of this uh, passage in verse 12 is, I love this, is trees had leaves for healing. Leaves for healing. I just love that. Leaves for healing. For all your nature people out there. (laughs) Uh, Isaiah 61 church. I'll read it again. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Does this sound familiar? Leaves for healing for the nations. Salt, leaves, temple. Are we getting it? This is who we are. Why should we respond? Because Jesus did it first. He went all in. He went all in. Why should we not go all in for him? What's holding us back? It's an invitation. God's like, just what, don't you want to know me more? Don't you want to walk with me? You know? But God understands. God's not mad at the tension within, you know? He's not mad. He understands. Um... There's a prayer mountain in Korea. I want to share this called uh, Jesus Abbey. 
Have you guys, raise your hand if you heard of Jesus Abbey. Right? There's a prayer mountain there. And the, 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 the person in charge there, his name is Ben Tori. His name is Ben Tori. And um, I forgot the name of the mountain. It's on Tivik. I forget. Right? But the mountain um, is very symbolic that this prayer meeting is on, this prayer house community is on that mountain near the border of North Korea. This mountain, actually, even physically, there's three rivers that flow from this mountain. A river that goes south, a river that goes west, and a river that goes east, right? So Ben Tori, you know what he got from the Lord? He says, he does this project called the Four Rivers Project. But there's three. The Four Rivers Project, right? Because he believes that from this mountain, physically, the river flows all over South Korea, right? And so does intercession, right? But the fourth river... It's a spiritual river, he says, that goes north. Right? And they're in constant intercession. This river of life that they're just releasing through their prayers all across the land, south and North Korea. Amazing, right? This is the fullness of life. This is the fullness of life. And I want to close with this. Um, something that we need to remember in this passage, I want us to remember three elements, three elements in this passage. The temple, the river, and the trees. The temple, the river, and the trees. And the temple is this. Temple is the very manifest presence of God. And for you and I, that means this. It means living a presence-centered life, prioritizing the presence of God in worship. And the river is the Spirit of God walking in the Spirit, saying yes to the Spirit and going deeper. Now the trees that are lined up is this. Imagine yourself now going deeper, deeper into the waters, right? But in your sight, if you look to the left and the right, are just luscious trees lined up. When I think of those trees, I think Psalm 1 trees. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He is like a tree planted by streams of living water. His delight is in the law of the Lord. The word of God. Okay? Why do I bring these three elements up? It's not just about going deep and doing. It's at the same time, always being reminded to be going deeper into the word of God. Deeper into the word of God. Deeper into the spirit. And deeper into the presence of God. This is holistic fellowship with God. This is the fullness of life, the Garden of Eden being restored. Yeah, can we all stand up? Yeah, and I want to ask, may, please, if we can uh, play. Yeah, yeah. Can we all stand up? And, um, yeah, if we can all just uh, close our eyes, actually. And um, in the beginning of the message, I, I talked about Eden. In Ezekiel's vision, he talks about it looks like the restoration of Eden. In this last passage, I'm just going to read it for you. 
Another person has a vision from God. His name is John. And it's the end of God's story. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 1 through 5. This is the end of the story. And I want you to listen carefully as I read this. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. This is the end of the story. I told you the beginning of the story, and I told you the end of the story. And in the in-between, I want to ask you tonight, where do you stand? Where are you in this grand narrative? Where are you in this grand narrative? I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to just imagine Jesus in front of you. And just ask Jesus, Jesus, give me a sober analysis. Where am I? Where is my faith? Am I ankle deep? Am I knee deep? Where am I, God? Show me. And God's going to begin to highlight to you your next thousand cubits. And Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm inviting you. I want to answer your prayer request of you wanting to know me more. So everyone just close. I'm just going to give you some time. Where are you? Where are you? My son and my daughter, I want to take you deeper. My son and my daughter, I want to invite you to different chambers of my heart. My son and my daughter, I've set things up. I've created Eden with a purpose, and I'm longing for it with you. I long for intimacy with you, unbroken. I long to journey with you and adventure with you. I long to show you my glory. pray. I want you to respond to the Lord. And out of the depths of your heart, I want us to cry out to the depths of his heart, saying, God, take me deeper. God, take me deeper. Whatever it takes to know you more. As Paul says, everything is trash compared to knowing you more. Whatever it takes to know you more, God, Give me hunger, God, for more of you. I've got to know you more. Give me a passion for Eden. God, may what is important to you become important to me. So come on, I want you to open your mouth and just begin to pray to God.
Just express your hunger right now. Let's just lift up our voices to Him right now.